0: As you know, and as we have talked about a lot, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of Canadians have been affected by natural disasters this year, right? Primarily wildfires. That's the big one, especially in this part of the country. There have been others. There's also been flooding, as you know, but um, wildfires have dominated the news cycle this summer. And the simple fact um, not everyone has been affected tells us there are some things that happen, and, you know, different people are affected differently when it comes to natural disasters, right? And some of them you have control over, some of them you don't, but... Uh, not something I thought of when we sort of took a look at who is affected more so by natural disasters and why. Well, our next guest has researched exactly how, you know, pre-existing social vulnerabilities actually increase the risk of a really negative impact due to natural disaster. Uh, Gene Slick is a professor of disaster and emergency management at Royal Roads University. Uh, Gene, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate your time today.
1: Well, no, Thank you for having me.
0: Really interesting. I mean, this is something that I never thought of, but it makes really good sense when you dig into it a bit. So let's um, let's define the parameters here first. When, when we talk about social vulnerabilities that may be a complicating factor in a natural disaster, what, what are you investigating? There's a long list, right?
1: Yeah, there's lots of different things. What we generally say is that disasters exacerbate and, you know, shine a light on existing social vulnerabilities. So things like age income, ethnicity, and gender are all factors that influence how you experience a disaster. And so while a disasters may affect all people in a community, some people are going to have different kinds of outcomes. And so the study of social vulnerability is just looking at the ways in which people are Impacted differently by an event. Um, and
0: how does that translate into a higher risk? When we talk about risk uh, after natural disasters, what are you talking about specifically?
1: Sure. Well, risk is about the adverse outcome. So, you know, the probability of exposure to an event is part of what risk is. So, living near an, uh, a wildfire interface zone increases your exposure. Mm-hmm. But the the negative consequences are not just due to the flames reaching the borders of a community. The negative consequences also are about what happens in terms of people's recovery. And so people have different capacity to recovery and have different experience during the event, which can include the evacuation period or shelter in place, depending on the nature of the event.
0: How can you, I mean, in terms of documenting some of these uh, increases and and, uh, what, what do you look at? Where do you get that information from?
1: Well, we have over 50 years of research on disasters, and so there's a lot of myths about human experience in disaster and what happens. And so the research we've been doing over these decades has really helped to unpack what those myths are and to have a better understanding um, about who is impacted by disasters and why.
0: You look into government planning for this too, right? I mean, and and they they recognize and and understand that there is a risk. They they've got that far, haven't they? I mean, that's that's part of what government sees around natural disasters is that, um, you know, people with social vulnerabilities could be more heavily impacted.
1: Yeah, and so there, you know, historically, what we've seen is that people look at the hazard itself, you know, the wildfire, or the flood, as being the, the particular threat, and it is a threat to our communities. But what we understand is that social vulnerabilities, as I've mentioned, affect how people experience disasters. And so I studied federal, provincial, territorial, and even local government emergency management plans in Canada. And what I found is there's good recognition of social vulnerability, generally speaking, but when you get into the detail of it, there are some gaps in that space. And in particular, my research was looking at how issues of gender were addressed in planning because we know that there are gendered impacts of disasters. And what I found was just a huge gap in all levels of government planning related to addressing the gendered impacts of disasters.
0: So is it a disconnect? Okay, they've got the understanding, they've got the knowledge, they've got the information, and then they just don't follow through with ways to address that?
1: Well, I think it's actually lack of awareness. So, you know, there have been studies in multiple jurisdictions, and we even saw in the pandemic in Canada, you know, an increase of gender-based violence during that period of time. And we saw government action to address that in some locations, but not in in all. So not all um, provinces or territories took action to address that or even acknowledge that. So we see that in some sectors, and Canada has um, a national strategy to address gender-based violence. So we've got commitments in that regard, but there's this disconnect between linking that to what we know about disasters. And really, it's just about increasing awareness of this particular issue and the need to address it. And so we are, you know, when a disaster strikes and it affects a community, we're dealing with a large number of people, right? So we're, we're dealing with evacuation. But as we saw in some situations in um, during the summer months we've, in British Columbia, we needed to evacuate long-term care facilities. But there's other people who are, you know, in, in women's shelters, for example, who may also need to be evacuated. So we give more attention to certain kinds of issues than we do to others. And gender is just really a particular gap in the planning space in Canada.
0: So like you said, this is well-documented, lots of studies, lots of evidence, lots of information, both in Canada, around the world. Some places have brought in policies, others haven't. What do we do with this information that we've gathered? What steps should we be taking now?
1: Well, really, it's the need for federal, provincial, territorial governments to take a leadership role in this. And to set up guidelines for addressing gender and disaster in Canada. We've got excellent examples in places like Australia that we can draw on where they have taken, already taken um, action. So it's really about taking that collective action. So emergency management is delegated to provinces and territories but Uh, National guidance is is usually um, done by federal, provincial, territorial ministers for emergency management. So we need them to take the leadership action. We need local communities to take action as well. We need to include gender advisors when there is um, a response, and we need to prioritize outreach and working with organizations that work in gender-based violence sector. Um, And we need to do that before a disaster occurs. You,
0: can we look at any of the, like you say, some places did, you know, around the pandemic, some, some, there was some acknowledgement and there was actually some work to try and, you know, put some systems in place. Can we look at any of those and say, hey, that really worked? This is something we can follow or is it that far along?
1: Yes, I think there was some good work that was done in, in some locations during the pandemic. What we're looking for is that there's really early recognition of of a particular problem, and so you're needing to deal with the overarching response. But if during the preparedness stage you've identified that certain populations are more vulnerable that you need to address, you know, give different attention to hospitals or persons in care or even people living in rural communities who have farm animals, like there's different kinds of vulnerabilities in society, so we need to acknowledge this in advance and take some different actions in preparing in that situation. But we also need government during uh, the response to a disaster to increase and amplify messages about safety for women and how to um, access safety. We need emergency shelters to be taking um, this into account. And so th- there's lots of guidance internationally. We just need to put this into action in Canada.
0: Exactly, yeah. And the information's there, the data's there. Like you say, all the evidence yeah. already exists, right? Yeah, um, it does. Uh, Jean, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here today. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does.